You're listening to The Drag. You are listening to a bonus episode of Darkness Season 2. My name is Katie Pinchik-Outka. I am the executive producer. I'm here with Ashley Miznazi, the host, as all of you heard. Last episode, we told you about Mark Condit's confession tape that he recorded um, before he died. And we managed to piece together a little bit of what was on it because law enforcement withheld it from media. So, Ashley, can you remind us a little bit about what was on that tape, what we managed to put together from all our different law enforcement sources? Right. Like Katie said, we didn't hear the tape ourselves, but from talking to APD... ATF and the FBI, they told us certain pieces of what was on the tape. And so they told us how Mark Condit walked through every single part of the bombings, taking credit for every single one of the bombs that was sent, but they did not release it out of fear of public safety and said that they didn't want the bomber's voice to live on. Um, So today we're talking to Paul Watler about why law enforcement was able to keep these tapes. Sure. I'm a lawyer in private practice uh, with a firm in Dallas. And over many years, I've represented a lot of different uh, news organizations here in Texas, newspapers, uh, television broadcasters, uh, television networks, in uh, First Amendment matters and questions of freedom of information. Uh, So I have a lot of experience representing news media clients in seeking access to information held by the police. And I've litigated a number of cases over the years in which we've actually gone to court to ask for a court order to require, say, a police department, sheriff's office, law enforcement agency to release information that they had claimed a right to withhold. Why did you choose to defend journalists? Well, I have a journalism background myself. I was a journalism major at the University of Texas. Uh, I worked as a newspaper reporter for a couple of years before I went to law school, so always had an interest uh, in the news business. And coming out of law school, I was really sort of my goal to have an opportunity to represent news organizations, represent journalists in, in legal uh, matters. And I was lucky enough to be able to kind of fulfill that. And uh, so I've done a lot of that over the last uh, really uh, three, almost four decades. I was wondering if you can give us some background on what the Freedom of Information Act is and why it's important for journalists and the public. Sure. The Freedom of Information Act is actually a federal law and it applies at the federal level. So agencies that y'all were reporting about, such as FBI, ATF, um, you know, those agencies are governed by the Federal Freedom of Information Act. Here in Texas, we have a state law, state statute counterpart, if you will, to the Federal Freedom of Information Act, which is known as the Texas Public Information Act. And that law applies to local and state agencies. So, for instance, uh, in the Austin bombing case, uh, obviously the city of Austin, the Austin Police Department, uh, was the lead agency in investigating that case, pursuing uh, the bomber. They, their uh, actions or their right to withhold something such as the tape confession of the, the bomber is going to be governed by state law, the, the State Public Information Act, which is the counterpart to the Federal Freedom of Information Act. In certain instances, that information can be, can be withheld. Sort of the guidepost under the Texas Public Information Act for withholding information is if the release of the information would somehow uh, interfere with 
legitimate uh, investigation or prosecution or detection of crime. So if there's a real, true law enforcement reason to prevent crime, to investigate crime, then information can be withheld. That's the basic premise of our exception here in Texas. But uh, which means if there is not that law enforcement consideration, if there's not a real legitimate ongoing reason to withhold the information, our state uh, policy, public information policy, is very clear under the statute that the information should be released, that the people have a right to know. The people, agencies such as law enforcement agencies, work on our behalf. And, and uh, it's, it, obviously, members of the public are not entitled to everything, but the presumption is that the people have a right to know. And it's not up to members of the government. It's not up to a police chief to decide if it's good or bad for members of the public to have a particular informa- uh, piece of information. Rather, the law presumes that we're all entitled to that information so that we can use it, we can evaluate it, and we can decide for ourselves whether the Austin Police Department and other agencies did an outstanding job. And I think many of your listeners would say they did an outstanding job here. They did many, many things right. And they were real heroes, uh, both uh, uh, federal and, and, and local law enforcement in pursuing this bomber. But they did something wrong here, in my opinion. And what they did wrong was withhold this this uh, tape confession. So I, I have a question, actually, just for some of our, you know, as journalists, we're familiar with these types of information, these types of requests, and the types of things that law enforcement withholds. But can you think of any examples of information that can be withheld, like just just as yes. a scenario? Well, for instance, you know, uh, listening to your, your episodes, uh, the most recent, episode six, Chief Manley was explaining his reasoning why, and it was very interesting to hear him say that, and I know his beliefs are very sincere, that, you know, they were concerned, he was concerned about that the release of the information might inspire uh, a copycat bomber or a situation like that. And I think that would be a legitimate reason if there was a, for lack of a better term, a clear and present danger of that happening. There was some immediate reason to believe that that was about to happen. But just kind of the general concern that sometime in the future, some situation in the future, someone might come across this and and somehow or another become a bomber or become uh, better equipped to be a bomber, uh, it's just too speculative. And it's not a, a, a present danger that, in my opinion, justifies withholding uh, information like this. Uh, you know, our institutions, such as law enforcement, are ultimately accountable to the public. And so we don't have the full accountability over what the city of Austin Police Department did in this case because we don't have this crucial piece of information. The, the chief himself was saying how he recognizes that there's legitimate public interest. Uh, and clearly there is in, in this, this particular bit of information. Uh, but I think his interest that he articulated in withholding it is just a value judgment that this is too shocking and uh, too offensive and is, uh, has some possibility of being useful to another bomber. Part of the policy in the public information realm, freedom of information realm, is you at least release as much as you can. If there needs to be maybe some specific tailored redactions. You know, there's maybe some specific information about a 
piece of equipment or a particular component used for a bomb that really could be useful to a bomber, then you you redact out that information, you bleep out that, uh, in, say, from a, a tape recording, rather than withholding the whole thing. And what I take away, and again, I'm just expressing my own personal opinions about this, is that uh, law enforcement, and as articulated by Chief Manley, found it just too shocking, too offensive, uh, too potentially hurtful uh, to members of the public to hear this. Well, uh, you know, heinous criminals do heinous things, and they give heinous explanations for what they do. That's that's how the world works, unfortunately. And we don't need, you know, a, a, a nanny state telling us that we shouldn't, that we're, we're not equipped to have this information. We're not equipped to receive it and judge for ourselves about the bomber's motives, about the performance of the Austin Police Department. And so there's, um, there's that opportunity to uh, have some closure in, in that regard that's, that's, that's being frustrated here. One of the things that the bomber spoke about was mistakes that he had made uh, on, on this tape, including he was sort of apparently lamenting that I never should have gone into the FedEx facility uh, because the surveillance cameras, I, I was picked up on the surveillance cameras, and that was a mistake. Well, we know that already. So, so what purpose is being served uh, when we already know that information? How is it legitimate here and, and three years later especially to continue to withhold that when we already know things like that. You talk about how there's exceptions for law enforcement withholding yes. this information. What legal exception did law enforcement argue? Well, it, it is the law enforcement exception to our Texas Public Information Act, and it does empower uh, police agencies to withhold information. They have do have broad discretion. I'm not suggesting that any law was broken here, uh, there was not because police do have this discretion. But the uh, flip side of that is they also have the discretion to release the information. They are not required by law to withhold this information. This is a choice that law enforcement can make. And here Chief Manley and the Austin Police Department made a choice, which they're not bound to, to withhold this information. They could release it this afternoon, tomorrow, whatever, uh, and they have the right to do that. They also have the right to withhold it, and we, we have the right to question whether that's the wisest thing to do. So to speak to how Chief Manley said there's no value in releasing the tape, why do you think there is public value in releasing the tape? Well, uh, James Madison, who is the, the father of our Constitution and the author of the First Amendment, he famously said that the power to censor in the American Republic lies with the people over government not government over people. So in a sense, uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, the, the police chief is acting as a censor here. He's making a value decision, value-laden decision on the content of this taped confession that it's not appropriate, it's uh, too offensive, whatever you might want to term it, that it's just not right for the public to hear this. And one of the guiding principles under our First Amendment here that really sets our uh, democracy apart from so many others in the world is that it's the people that have the right to decide and the people have the right to have that information and to evaluate the performance of government, not the other way around. Uh, government, the, the chief's role is to judge on the basis of a law enforcement uh, concern whether there's a legitimate reason 
to release it, not the concern of whether or not people are going to use the information inappropriately or be disturbed when they hear it. That's a content uh, evaluation. And the First Amendment says government is not in the business of judging whether or not content of particular information is appropriate for people to have. That's when you lapse into censorship. If the bomber Mark Condit hadn't killed himself, would this be different? Uh, quite possibly, uh, because let's assume that he was apprehended uh, and, and, and was still alive and then was prosecuted and, and convicted. Uh, our Public Information Act is very clear that at that point, the police department would not have the right to continue to withhold this information. Once a case does result in a conviction, then the law enforcement exception no longer applies, and then uh, police have to release information. So this is kind of one of those odd uh, cul-de-sacs of the law, if you will, because this case did not end up in a conviction. But there will never be a prosecution because the perpetrator is deceased. Uh, Nonetheless, the police can continue to assert an exception that the intent was to protect ongoing investigations. There is no ongoing investigation here. The investigation is over with, as is ended with the the death of the bomber, or certainly shortly thereafter when it was determined there were no other conspirators or other actors uh, that were criminally culpable. Uh, So, again, so the need to withhold the information to protect the integrity of investigation, that's a legitimate law enforcement reason And we should have that built into our law. I'm not suggesting otherwise. But when that legitimate law enforcement need to withhold information ends, we should not have unelected bureaucrats making decisions in our name like, I think that's good for you to have or not good for you to have. That's really interesting. I never realized that that the the exception was just done after. So if he if he had lived, if he had gone to trial he was convicted, went to prison, whatever, we could have requested that tape Absolutely. and they would have had to hand it over. Absolutely. And if they didn't hand it over, you can go to court to, to force them to do that. And again, it's because of this kind of weird cul-de-sac we are in this particular area. You don't have the remedy to, if you were to make a request, and, and I'm sure you did, uh, to get that information. You really not don't have the remedy of going to court to try to compel them to release it because they continue to have that discretion to withhold it, and they also, as I would point out, the discretion to release it, which I think they should. So Katie and I were talking before coming over here, and we were saying if we were to get the tape, we're not sure if that's something that we would even want to air to the public. Um, But with that being said, can you go more into what other options law enforcement could have taken instead of releasing maybe the audio of his tape, like you talked about, the redactions? Sure. A couple of things. I mean, one, just just what you said, I think, is the way it should be. Who should be making decisions about whether or not the public should hear this? Should we have, you know, members of government deciding for us what's good or bad for us to hear or learn? Or should we trust our free and independent press? And you guys are representing the press here. You are the press here. We, the First Amendment trusts those decisions about to publish or not to publish information to the press, not to government. That's the fundamental distinction in our, in our First Amendment is that private actors get to decide what is published and what is disseminated, not public actors who say, no, this is going to harm the public if, if we let them, out, let them hear it. 
So you may very well, if you got it, say this is not appropriate uh, for release to the public or to, to broadcast on our podcast. But I would I feel better about you making that decision rather than the police chief making that decision. So are there other cases that you can think of similar to this one in in essence where they did release it? Or are there cases that are similar to this one in that something is still being withheld? Unfortunately, I think there's more examples of police continuing to withhold information when I would say there's not a legitimate ongoing law enforcement reason to withhold it. A, a prime example, and this predated the Austin bombing case by just a couple of years, but in, in my hometown, Dallas, in 2016, we had the uh, the shooting of the five police officers during a, a Black Lives Matter protest. And that uh, assailant, interestingly enough, coincidentally enough, I mean, the police used a bomb <laughs> to, to take him out. And there's all kinds of video and audio recordings from that case that the police department in Dallas to this day continues to withhold. So it's the same thing. It's it's this backwater of, of Texas statutory law that allows police uh, to, to exercise this discretion. And I think it's misplaced. I, I, th- I think there there needs there's a time and place for it, but there's a time and place where that uh, discretion should come to an end. Yeah. So with these three and a half, almost four years of hindsight, what do you think law enforcement should have done differently here or done better here? Well, I think once you know, the clear, it was clear that there was no ongoing danger, uh, that there weren't other bombs out there or other bombers working with this particular perpetrator, uh, the, you know, the concern about that was at an end. And I think after that, there's really not, in my view, a legitimate uh, uh, law enforcement reason to continue to withhold the information. Maybe particulars of the information. So maybe they redact that, that crucial piece of information about how you actually, you know, put together one of these bombs. I can understand that. But on the whole, the information should come out. We should understand what he said his motives were, particularly in a case like this where there's community concern about what his motives were. I know particularly in communities of color, there's questions about was he racially motivated? Was it racial animus in part or in whole? Uh, and, and we can't know that now, or at least we can't know whether or not the bomber spoke to it. Right. Yeah, that's the biggest question about this case, right? I'm sure that's what Ashley was about. Yeah, to say. I, was, I was going to say Nelson Linder with Austin's NAACP. He's exactly he wants, right. I mean, I, I, I think uh, the community has a right to, to have a fuller understanding of this. Mm-hmm. And I know the victims have different opinions on if they want the tape released, but in the case of Stephen House, Melanie House, and his brother, Narell, they also would like the tape release. So it's interesting that sure, when you withhold it from the public, you're also also withholding it from family members. And so uh, obviously their their concern is, is very great in these situations. And as difficult as it may be for, for them to have something like that available, uh, you can also see where they would they would want it to be available and they would want to have a fuller understanding of how their loved one uh, unfortunately, was uh, was murdered at the hands of this uh, this criminal. So even though law enforcement does have this discretion to withhold the tape, as a lawyer, do you think that there's a case against getting the tape if it was taken to court, since it hasn't been taken to court yet? 
well, the problem is the way that the Texas statute is written, it, there's really not an effective mechanism for anyone to sue to compel them to release it. The real solution, if we're going to have some reform in this area, is going to have to be a legislative solution. And of course, you know, it's difficult to uh, pass something through the legislature when police oppose it. And and, uh, law enforcement has opposed uh, efforts at the legislative level here in Texas to change this very law that I'm talking about. It still doesn't mean we can't question whether or not uh, the law reaches the right conclusion in situations like this. Right. That's all I got. Thank you so much for talking to us. This was super insightful. Uh, Super helpful. It's kind of stuff I love talking about. So. (laughs) Season two of Darkness is reported, hosted, written, and directed by me, Ashley Miznazi. This podcast is presented by The Drag, a student-run audio production house at the University of Texas at Austin's Moody College of Communication. Katie Penchik-Outka and Robert Quigley are the executive producers. This podcast was also reported and written by Kenny Jones. The editor is Katie Penchik-Outka. The associate producers are Austin Cheatham, Libby Cohen, Alexandra Curry-Buckner, Cecilia Garzella, Gregory Gonzalez, Anastasia Goodwin, Jake Herman, Jackie Ibarra, Marian Navarro, Ileana Rowland, Sarah Schleed, Aidan Snazdell, and Harrison Young. Their artwork was created by Helen Holsey. Christian McDonald is the drag's technical director. A huge thank you to Leslie Schrock for all of her support and guidance. I also want to thank Jay Bernhardt, Kathleen McElroy, Rachel Davis-Mercy, Allison Dawson, Kathleen Mabley, Emily Quigley, Jay Whitman, Eric Tang, Robert Vilwalk, and Ryan Outka. Special thanks to Grace Spees, Marcus Crum, Raul Garcia, Dylan Lee, Jennifer Robbins, Tasha Turner, Amanda Cisneros, Jenny Nelson-Gray, and Tiffany Ma. The Drag is a nonprofit educational organization that is made possible by donors like you. Please support our work by going to thedragaudio.com/donate. Every dollar goes directly to producing more content like this while giving students an amazing educational experience. Thank you. Season 2 of Darkness is reported, hosted, written and directed by me. Ashley Miznazi. This podcast is presented by The Drag, a student-run audio production house at the University of Texas at Austin's Moody College of Communication. Katie Penchik-Outka and Robert Quigley are the executive producers. This podcast was also reported and written by Kenny Jones. The editor is Katie Penchik-Outka. The associate producers are Austin Cheatham, Libby Cohen, Alexandra Curry-Buckner, Cecilia Garzella, Gregory Gonzalez, Anastasia Goodwin, Jake Herman, Jackie Ibarra, Marian Navarro, Ileana Rowland, Sarah Schleed, Aidan Snazdell, and Harrison Young. Their artwork was created by Helen Holsey. Christian McDonald is the drag's technical director. A huge thank you to Leslie Schrock for all of her support and guidance. I also want to thank Jay Bernhardt, Kathleen McElroy, Rachel Davis-Mercy, Allison Dawson, Kathleen Mabley, Emily Quigley, 
Jay Whitman, Eric Tang, Robert Vilwalk, and Ryan Outka. Special thanks to Grace Spees, Marcus Crum, Raul Garcia, Dylan Lee, Jennifer Robbins, Tasha Turner, Amanda Cisneros, Jenny Nelson Gray, and Tiffany Ma. The Drag is a nonprofit educational organization that is made possible by donors like you. Please support our work by going to thedragaudio.com/donate. Every dollar goes directly to producing more content like this while giving students an amazing educational experience. Thank you.